Listener Production. Automotive commentator and journalist Greg Rust, and this is Rusty's Garage. We're heading into new terrain this ep. Little play on words there as four wheel driving and ute racing feature, but the convo is more wide reaching than that. Dave Casey is a bit of a character who we wanted to get to know better. Some in the supercars paddock are acutely aware of Mudflap, a nickname relating to a trademark mullety proudly sports, but that's not the only reason they seem to be taking a shine to him. Casey is making competitive strides behind the wheel in circuit racing, having been a proven winner off road. And what he does away from the track is arguably even more impressive. From the early days, paddock bashing in a Toyota that he bought for a couple of hundred bucks, to shoehorning a powerful road tree into the most unlikely little four-wheel drive chassis. Plus, his eventing work that's helped create a show far north Queensland is incredibly proud of, one that attracts four-wheel drivers and industry exhibitors from all round the country. He's had some guidance from Paul Morris, who you can find in the garage library, and he's clearly got unfinished business in stadium super trucks too. More on that a little later. Dave Casey is one of those guests that I reckon will surprise you. His easygoing, likeable Aussie nature masks a strong inner drive to master a new challenge in circuit racing, all while retaining his pure love of getting off-road. And that's how we connected, via a mutual supporter in Bendix Brakes. I've been and seen the world-class product they are designing and producing at their Ballarat facility, and Dave has showcased their four-wheel drive brake upgrade kits in all sorts of builds and terrain. Strap in. I hope you enjoy the ride. Dave, welcome to the podcast. How you going, mate? It's fantastic to get you on. I am reliably informed you're a bit of a character. My buddy, Matt Nolte, who commentates the Ute series, has spoken very highly of you. And we thought it'd be a bit of fun to get you on the the pod and have a conversation. Firstly, where does the love of anything, four-wheel drive, Utes, you name it, uh, where does that all come from? Um, Obviously, uh, it's really, really popular in our area of Rocky. So it's sort of our go-to thing. Everyone growing up, they're... They sort of always want to get a Nissan Patrol or Toyota Land Cruiser because we're from the bush. So that's sort of where it all came from. And yeah, just um, kicked off things off really early in my in my life with a four-wheel drive, yeah. Normally, it's something in the driveway as you're growing up. Was there a family wagon that uh, evoked some fun memories or what? what are the sort of the, the early childhood wheel stories that you can tell us? I actually didn't um, have a a full drive as my first car it was a k55 uh, toyota corolla um fantastic that sounds yeah. very unlike you though mate very <laughs> yeah, unlike yeah, you yeah. It, was, um, <laughs> it was uh 200 dollars. Uh, i saved up and bought it for um with my pocket money and that and um yeah it taught me a lot that car because it was a rear wheel drive one um but yeah it was um a good little car they're really reliable and yeah it teaches you a lot, teaches you a lot of skills on dirt so yeah it was it was pretty cool well done. Where did you track that down? Is that a Rockhampton purchase somewhere in Queensland? And what became of that car? Um, yeah, it was obviously uh, just in the local handy trader, and um, I was just dying to get behind the wheel of, of an actual car, not not a buggy or anything. So, 
yeah, uh, me parents, we went and had a look at it and yeah, we picked it up and yeah, just uh, drove it around the paddocks behind our house and yeah, had a, had a lot of fun over the years. Awesome. That teaches you a lot, Dave, doesn't it? Some of that fun stuff, that, that car control and paddocks and, and things like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, what what you learn there, you, you know, you, you take on with you for, for the rest of your life. Um, obviously, my parents, my mum particularly, didn't like me sliding in, in and out between trees, but um, yeah, she got over it and yeah, it's probably... Um, taught me taught me what I'm doing now in cars I've dragged it right through right right from there sort of thing so yeah it's it's good stepping stone now we can see each other for this chat which I like you always have a very stylish haircut tell me a little bit about that how long you've had them and you don't mind mugging around <laughs> with that too do you yeah um the old mullet um <laughs> I, I, I haven't had it too long yeah it's probably a few years now just um I got the inspiration from um Pappenhausen, the NRL NRL player, misses is like, okay. oh, I like that haircut. So I'm like, yeah, I should grow one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's sort of stuck. And yeah, I mean, my nickname's Mudflap now. So yeah, because um, it's sort of like a four-wheel drive thing, got the mullet yeah, on the exactly. back. That's that's what's on the back of the ute. So yeah, it fits in well. Good on you. So it's not going anywhere anytime soon then, is it? Nah, I'm a bit worried one day when it goes grey. I don't know what I'm going to do then. So... <laughs> The move from having fun with the early Corolla that you bought for a couple of hundred bucks to something that was a little more off-road or competitive orientated, what was that vehicle and, and what sparked the interest for you to, to try some of the – I mean, there's various aspects to your career here that we'll get to from uh, ute racing to stadium super trucks and more. But in a four-wheel drive sense, that's been the the underpinning of the early part of your career, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, sort of, we started off, uh, we had a lot of off-road buggies and that, and then um, winch challenges are very popular in our area. It's very, um, they're very uh, big in Queensland and Victoria, mainly. So my actual first um, winch challenge car was a Suzuki Sierra soft top. So they're like a little hairdresser car. <laughs> <laughs> it actually went pretty good because um a lot of the tracks uh it, they sort of the wheelbase and that was so tiny it sort of went in between them so i never got bogged or anything obviously it was a lot slower but we didn't do too bad in it so it, it stirred a lot of the the bigger guys up that have been doing it for years um and spent a lot more money obviously so yeah we started off in that and then Obviously, as we kept on getting faster and better, we transitioned into Nissan patrols um, and and really heavily developed them. Um, but yeah, that's that's that was the first car, the old Suzuki Sierra, which I've still got now. Um, but yeah, I actually just finished rebuilding that, so yeah, it's very well very uh, important car in my life. Well done. I'm glad that you've kept it. Can we just share with the audience, you, you, you know, you have a lot of followers that are into their four-wheel driving and they will know the answer to this question, but just take the rest of our Rusty's Garage uh, crew on a little journey for one of those winch challenges. What happens? What do you do? How does it work? And so on. Um, so it's basically like a mixture of um, like rally Dakar style um, events. Um, there's a lot of GPS stages and then there's sprint stages that are, you know, basically someone going walk, walking through a 
an, you know, an undriven paddock just straight through the bush, trees, rocks, anything, and they just mark out tracks with um, bunting. And you've got to yeah try and get there through that track to, to start to finish as quick as you can. And, um, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and, like, the cars these days, you know, on average probably have six seven hundred horsepower and um the the suspension you know this using the same coilover and, and triple bypass as a as a trophy truck so they're they're very serious cars um and they require a lot of talent to drive them fast and 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 then the whole winch name comes in because if we can't drive something the wall's too steep the rocks are too big then we got to winch over them and then obviously the quicker you can winch the, the faster time you do. So now, you know, we, we modify our winches, add more motors to them, 24 volt, you know, all, all the bells and whistles to to make them faster. And then there's rules of that to come in to make sure you, you, you know, you stick to the guidelines and you get penalties. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Not a lot of people in the city have heard of it, but um, yeah, yeah, you should come have a watch one day. I think you'd be quite surprised. The landscape is beautiful and the challenges are to use the young kid phrases, mate. They are gnarly, aren't they? There's yeah. some, some hardcore some hardcore stuff. Yeah. And do you enjoy, clearly you clearly you enjoy that. Yeah, I loved it. I, I haven't done it too much of a late, but um mm. yeah, I wouldn't mind getting getting back into it. Um but yeah, it's definitely definitely uh been a big part of my life for a long time. Tell me about the Suzuki and the kind of mods that you've had along the way and has this become something of a restoration project for you what a, what's uh what's that been about yeah um oh it's, we've got this event up up our way called uh dobinson's king of the strip it's a four drive drags um myself three other blokes sort of run it well dobinson's you know dobinson's spring works they've actually yep run it um and then yeah, myself, Nick Hogg, and Alan Cornick and Ben Dominson, we all run it, and it's actually turned into the biggest four-drive drag event in Australia, and um, and richest one. I didn't really have a car for it, um, and everyone's like, "Oh, what are you going to build for it?" And then we sort of had this stupid <laughs> idea of putting a really big motor in, oh, like not big, but a really powerful motor in my Suzuki because it was just sitting in the back of the shed. So yeah, as as one year finished, I think to that, the, the following year, I, I was um, working day and night with a fabrication shop just to get this um, thing built for this event that was just a few months ago. And yeah, it's, it's the craziest thing I've ever driven. Like, it's like awesome. driving a CR500 motorbike on the road, mate. It's, yeah, it's absolutely nuts. Share some of the stats. Tell us about the power plant and more. So it's got a, uh, a Mazda 13B rotary turbo in it. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, and it's fully built. Um, it's got, it punched out 520 horsepower at the wheels. So power to weight ratio just, just weighs on under 1,000 kilos. So it's, yeah, it's very, very violent when it comes on boost. Um, yeah. A nine-inch. Drive train? Yeah, it's, it's got a the RX-7 box behind it. We want to change that because it keeps blowing boxes at the moment um mm-hmm. so we're going to probably put a turbo 400 in it and um it's got a nine inch diff in the rear all custom made and shortened with um bigger axles and whatnot and um yeah just dobinson coilovers um and just hang on for dear life mate it is yeah, it's very very violent car like to the point where like when it 
when you're taken off and you fully, you know, give it the full throttle and it comes on boost, it like creaks, like I've grown the, the chassis, like that's how much tension it's under. Like it's, it's like a leaf it Twists spring. it almost. Yeah, it's like, it's just like, yeah, it's hard to explain. It's just, it's very aggressive. So it's pretty cool. Awesome. Will you do more to it or that you're, do you feel like it's at peak kind of development there? Nah, no, nah, definitely. Um, yeah, we'll put that turbo 400 in it and yeah, probably run tens down the quarter in it then. And then, um, yeah, just, I'll, I'll, I'm going to get it like, um, it's all fully engineered to drive on the road. So I just want to finish that off and get it street registered. And it's just a great little promo car. It's bright red. Um, and obviously the rotary noise, it just turns a lot of heads. So just going to have some fun with it on the weekends and yeah, just keep, keep, you know, turning heads with it. The early part of your career, when you look at the the CV sort of around, I don't know, back to 2007, for example, modified class, four by four outright wins, cliffhanger, you were a stage winner there in 2014 and so on. Tell us a little bit about the early part and, and was it just kind of weekend fun with friends? Was it something you were seriously pursuing? What was it at, at about at that stage? Yeah, like um, that during 2009, that was um, our first sort of championship we won. So that was was really starting to get into it serious then. Um, after that, we built another car. Um, prior to that, it was just, yeah, just going to have a bit of fun with mates sort of thing. Just um, it wasn't do it as you could afford and then – after we got our first championship, um, it yeah really costs really blew out, and we started throwing a lot of money at cars and trying to you know um, get faster and faster. Uh, you know it, it just it was crazy times, but I wouldn't change it for the world. Excellent. So from a, a career perspective, what are you doing Monday to Friday to to supplement this to make the the weekend <laughs> habit go round? Um, so I work with. Uh, my parents, they, they contract to real estate companies um, doing their marketing and media work. So I go in and, and draw like the floor plans for houses. Like when you go and buy something, you look at a plan of the house. So I do like the drafting of that. And then obviously I got SWL on this, my, my race team. We, we sell a lot of merch and, and help um, do a few car builds and that. So yeah, I keep, keep pretty busy in between everything. Tell me about SWL, what it stands for, how long it's been going and so on. Bit of fun behind this too, isn't there? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a bit of a silly story, but um, <laughs> first first um, team winch challenge we ever done, you had to have three cars in it and they were all um, they were all stock standard. They were, the only thing they had was diff locks, so we're just, we didn't have a team name. It was all last minute, so we just all put our heads together and we're like, oh, we'll just call stockers with lockers. And then, um, <laughs> and it's stuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just stuck, and and then sort of it just came came with everything I done. Oh, that's stockers with lockers, and then I sort of like, oh, I can't keep calling myself this forever. So I'm just like, oh, I'll change it to SWL, and yeah, everyone everyone knows the, the SWL um, logo now. So I've just kept it at that. Motorsport sure has its share of characters. Dave Casey might be one of the new breed, but there are others in Rusty's library you might enjoy, like Roscoe McGlashan, the fastest Aussie on earth. 20 kilometres away, at least down the freeway, he said he went to put the key in the front door and he heard this noise. 
And they thought, geez, I see him like a jet. And he's got an airport, the Jennicott Airport was pretty near them. And he thought, oh, I must be someone screwing around the jet at the airport or something. And, and as he put his key in the lock, as the story told me, he turned the bloody key, the burner came on. And he felt the bloody vibration at his house. He said, vibrated all the way down the freeway. And he felt, felt the vibration at his front door. And he said, holy shit, McLaren, you are Hear incredible stories from a life spent in the pursuit of speed, including the bespoke build of Aussie Invader, the 200,000 horsepower rocket land speed car. You probably can't four-wheel drive that. Sorry, Dave. The stories around um, Rocky and the massive 4x4 scene there, you yeah. sort of touched on that a, a little bit. Give people a sense of the kind of numbers that come to these uh, events, the other kind of cars or four-wheel drives, rather, that you're up against and so on. Yeah. Because you don't sort of have a, a, a motorsport kind of complex or a track as such there, do you? No, we don't. And we're that's that's exactly right. Like, that's why we got such a big four-wheel drive following here because we don't have a, a track to go to. No one can go and, you know, get off the streets and, and do any circuit racing work so what we do is we we use our four-wheel drives and it is massive here i think um per head per per capita dobinson's worked it out we got the highest um, number of four-wheel drive enthusiasts in australia so uh, is that right yeah yes so that's why we got like a large event like dobinson's king of the strip like i think we get uh, just over 100 entries in that which it's not only that it's the prize money that goes with it i think yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's the richest one in Australia. I personally run a um, an invite-only four-wheel drive display at Rocky Nats. Um, Fantastic. So uh, I, I, I call up people I think cars are worthy and invite them to be in, a, in, in this display, and this year it was absolutely phenomenal, the quality of cars the, uh, we had. SWL Racing 4x4 display. This is our Bendix... Um Super Ute, the one we'll be racing in Perth. In Everyone you, you talk to was really impressed by it. Um, Rocky Nats, uh, you know, as everyone says, you build something and it will come. And Rocky's oh. been mm. needing a motorsport event for so long. And Summer Nats and the council got together and they've created this event built for Rocky. And, um, yeah, like we had just over 1,800 entrants this year. Um 58,000 people through the gate, you know, like it mega. It it books out the whole town and every and all the towns surrounding us in accommodation. Um and I just think if that isn't enough proof that we need a track here, um I don't know mm. what is um because uh, there has been uh people within our region pushing for track tracks for a long time, like there's a committee called Circuit CQ, but um mm-hmm. we haven't just quite had enough um luck with that yet but yeah i think if we keep proving how big rocky nuts because it keeps growing every bigger and bigger every year i think yeah i think the next track to get built will be um in central queensland clearly dave what you want there too is um and the word i used before was complex you want something that yeah that i guess caters to to the four-wheel drive love which has such a strong presence there but also to give people uh, maybe that that circuit style outlet that you now know about from other activity that you do too don't you 100 percent, mate um you know like I, I believe like we have absolutely fantastic drivers in our region i know personally heaps off the top of my head um mm-hmm. they've just never been presented with an opportunity or been able to show their skills because we've got to drive seven hours north or south to the locus, lo- closest track so 
it's just too hard for people. And mm-hmm. growing up, you know, their dad and their XL or, you know, dad and their cart, we got cart tracks, but mainly we're talking about cars here with their, you know, XL or something. It's seven mm-hmm. hours is too far just to get a drive, mate. So, yeah, that's that's why we go in our Forbies at the moment. <laughs> I mean, the Forbies, that was the next thing that I was going to ask you about. The, the love of Forbies, clearly even from your first car, has um, has never ventured too far away, has it? Nah, mate. Yeah, like I've got uh, three or four now. Like I just get, get – they're just part of my, you know, part of my life. They're in my blood. But as I keep doing circuit racing more, um, yeah, definitely – it's probably one of the best things I've ever done. I'm really, really starting to love this circuit racing. I want to come back to the Nats for a moment, if I if I can. Yeah, because, mate. Yeah. Um, because the Summer Nats, is, I mean, is so well known um, worldwide, really, not even just yeah. Australia wide. What they do there in in Canberra, but obviously, what you've been able to do is to take a little bit of the essence of that, make sure that it works for for the part of Queensland and beyond that you're in, and and um, give it. A unique flavour. So just take people, people there. I mean, that's an amazing roll-up of machines and people that you've had through oh. the gates for this. Just, just, just give us a snapshot of the event. So uh, it's it's hard to explain in a couple of words, but yeah, okay. So on Friday, they you know how they have street parades at Summer Nats. Um, yes. Well, we have one of them on at Rocky Nats on the Friday, and it's the biggest street parade in Australia. So. It, numbers wise i think we had just over 1500 um cars and bikes in it Vehicles. this year yeah it, it takes the whole Crazy. day it takes the whole day because we've got to line everyone up our whole showgrounds is packed so lined up of cars and bikes and and how, the, how, how far and wide are people are come are coming with their machinery and so on and give us give us a, an idea of a couple of the standouts this year oh mate well i've i've got people coming from perth with their four drives wow yeah and you know, people Melbourne, Sydney, Darwin—they're all coming to Rocky just to show their car. It's fantastic. It's a little bit different to Summer Nats because Rocky Nats is family friendly. If, you, if they're targeting okay. the family, okay. so they want the kids to be yes. able to have fun as well. And and you know, they got stuff to cater for it, the families. You know, it's not just about it. It is about cars, but they they want mm-hmm. they want to keep that family vibe going, which I think is really good. Um, so important, yeah. Yeah, um, we're the only event in Australia that has street drags. So it's one of the main streets in Rocky. They just put concrete pylons down it, and people are just circulating all day to do street drags. So no, no track prep, nothing. There's a, there's a tree there for obviously, you know, the lights. But um, yep. yeah, and people loving it. Like just pull up next to whoever you want and drag them, sort of thing, which is. It's a real big hit. Like that's the only event in Australia that has street drags illegally. Um, Amazing. Yeah, uh, there's, there's obviously the burnouts. Um, that mm-hmm. summer nuts sort of wholly and solely Do run. It. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Which is yeah, we get all the pro guys, um, and then yeah, we got the elite pavilions and all your sort of um, standard car show stuff. That, but there's a lot of top-notch cars like they're all coming from far and wide like perth and and adelaide and all that and then yeah we got our full drive display which what they're telling us is the feedback they're getting from the the spectators is one of the favorite most favorite precincts in the whole show so they keep wanting to grow it and grow it and asking me to find more people so <laughs> you, you you lit up in this part of the conversation i can tell from your your smile mate um 
just how much of that, you know, does um, your involvement in this event, how much time does that occupy? Because this is a pretty serious undertaking, isn't it? Yeah, mate, it's it's uh, huge, to be honest. It, it And to try and race in between it all and, and focus yep. mentally, it's it's um, pretty tough. But, you know, like, like we touched on before, mate, um, I've lived in Rocky my whole life and we've needed an event like this for so long. So whatever I can do and whatever our, our family and our mates can do to, to make this continue and, and make it bigger and better and make people put come to Rocky and put it on the map so we do maybe get a track one day, the better, mate. We'll, we'll put as much effort in as we can. That's a very strong argument with that style um, of event, the success that it's clearly having and the, and the roll-up of vehicles that you've got. If there was one wish list, Dave, of things that you could add to it, you know, in the, in the next year or two, what would you like to, to do to expand the event or, you know, a, attract something different? What, what's your plans with it? Uh, I think, like, adding a, an off-road element would be cool. Um, a like, competitive one, you mean, an yeah, event of yeah. some kind? Or yeah, event. there has yep. been... I can I can confirm there has been some talk about it. They have approached me to do something. Excellent. But um, yeah, there's a few logistical things that we got to sort out there. But maybe even um, like a a little street circuit for you know not supercars or anything. Obviously, that's mm-hmm. that's a massive undertaking. But something time trial wise that you could have like you know um, tarmac car rally cross cars or something coming. And, and compete sort of thing, I think that would be great. You mentioned burnouts before. You do have a Power Cruise Pro Class yeah, yeah, trophy yeah. back in 2015, <laughs> don't you? Tell us about that. Um, yeah, so it was just a bit of a spur of the moment thing. It just took one of me, well, the patrol that we were racing at the time down to the, down to the burnouts at Power Cruise and that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever done because it happens a lot now but back in when I'd done that, People, you rock up at, at Power Cruise with you know a seven hundred horsepower patrol. People are just like, "What the hell!" Like, <laughs> yeah, I took it out on the track, cruising around QR, and you dust off people and you know XR6 turbos and VL turbos, and they come in and they they ask you, "What the hell is in that thing?" Like, it was yeah, people just loving it. So, and then I ended up, I think I was just like, "Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in the burnout comp at night," and yeah. The crowd just went wild, mate. They just loved it. Like the whole, the whole turn. I didn't block the brakes off or anything, so the brakes are glowing red and like the tur- uh, pop the tires. It was, it was a pretty cool experience. I think they rang us up the next day and they're like, "Oh, you're in the final," and I'm just, I'm like, "What do you mean?" He's like, "You're in the burnout <laughs> final. That's what you done the burnout for last night." I'm like, "Holy hell!" So I had to go and find another set of tires and. Yeah, and then when and then when um, we came out, the crowd were loving it again. So yeah, we ended up getting fifth, which is pretty cool because these other cars, you know, they got a couple of thousand horsepower, and that that's their dedication of that whole car. And I'm just here rocking up with a, you know, full drive with a winch on it with a bit of horsepower, and they weren't <laughs> they were looking at me like you hillbilly, but brilliant. But, yeah, it was pretty cool. Now we have a uh, a great friend in Bendix Brakes, both of us. Yes. So they've been very good supporters of the the podcast here and um, you've got a great partnership with them. They have something which I reckon is is super cool for people listening and that's that's um, brake uh, four-wheel drive upgrade kits, yes. which are really 
cool, mate, aren't they? Because they, they take some of the, you know, you know if we've got maybe grey nomads listening or people that want to tow their, you know, their massive boat, whatever it might be, often the, the road-going package isn't up to the big heavy task of that sort of stuff. And you, you regularly put this to the test, mate, don't you? Yeah, 100%. Um, those kits are great. Uh, even the fact that they come with um, the braided lines, I think that's a crucial part of it. Um, mm-hmm. Why? Oh, just it takes it, it. I think I've put pads and and rotors in with other brands, and they don't give you the give you the braided lines, and you sort mm-hmm. of you feel a little bit of a difference and and that, but it's it's not too much gain. <clears throat> and with these kits, particularly on on cars that I've used, like Nissan Patrols and and Land Cruisers and that, they. The braided lines, I think, is what makes a difference to me. And you get better pedal feel and no fade. If you, you're pulling up with a heavy car trailer and car on the back and you get a red light, you, with standard brakes, you, your pedal will nearly sink to the floor and it'll be very dead by the end of it. But with the with those kits, you, it'll have the same pressure the whole time and, and it'll pull you up a lot quicker. So they're worth their weight in gold, eh? Agreed. Now, how does a bloke with one of the stylish... Most stylish mud flap mullets <laughs> in the country go knocking on the door. Um, their facility in Victoria, there, what they make here in Australia is world class, isn't it? Yes, definitely. I actually had, I was fortunate enough to get um, a tour of the factory when we raced in uh, Winton last year. They said, "Oh, come down and have a look," and I was actually blown away that they um, they still hand pour and hand make the pads like they got a production mm. line with all workers I, I just thought holy hell you know and and i was walking around with um rob darby and 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 uh a few of the other bendix staff and they all treat each other like family so and Correct. and and just to see all the pads come out and then go through the production line of of, of wrapping and it, it's it's a phenomenal process and it's great to see that we've got something like that happening in our own backyard still, not overseas. Agreed. I mean, the the fact that um, the automotive industry in Australia has changed, obviously, you know, with Holden, you know, closing its stores, it's nice to be able to shine a light on stories like this and say, hey, you know, there are some very good Australian automotive business stories like this. What they they make, as you've just detailed, um, in our part of the world, but in addition to that, the great staff that you've met, I've been at the the facility there as well when they've um, they've brought in their pride and joy. And that, there are some seriously cool <laughs> car lovers with some really cool machines there too. Hundred percent, yeah. Um, I got I got talking to a few of them because once they knew I was there, they came over and showed me their cars and yeah, like a lot of Holden, they're into it. Yeah, a lot of Holden Ford fans there and. They, they, some of them love their motorbikes too. They were, t- they were telling me about that a couple of them racing that. So, it, yeah, it's great to see um, the staff are they're getting right into the motorsport as well. That's the end of part one of my conversation with super ute racer and proven off-road winner Dave Casey, a.k.a. Mudflap. We're only partway through this story, though. There is... Another edition, part two, all parked up and ready to hit the start button on whenever you're ready. Words of wisdom from Paul Morris to a potential window into the future. How Dave's committed to conquering the super utes, but there may be some unfinished business, it seems, in stadium super trucks too. All that and more on a special episode that's had the full Bendix Brakes four-wheel drive upgrade kit installed in Rusty's garage. Rusty's Garage.